Hello and welcome to the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Happy Dan, and with me as always <laughs> to be happy about all happy things that are happy is Happy Sarah. How are you, Sarah? <laughs> I'm still slightly ill, so if you hear any weird pauses, it's me um, uh, hitting the mic, hitting the mute button so I can cough my lungs up again. To... Well, okay, you're still sick, but you're supposed to say you were happy. <laughs> I'm always happy to be talking to you, Daniel. That's like taking us oh, red. God, God, no! This is <laughs> hi. Welcome to the unofficial, unsanctioned liars podcast of lying liars who tell lies. <laughs> we are going to talk to you about the end of the season. Um, we've got transfers. We've got weird transfer stories. Mm. We've got a happy ending to a bad story we've got some more things that should change in cycling and we've got madrid challenge and let's look forward to world so we're going to try and be quick about this yeah we've never said that before um welcome yes yes indeed um okay so last week um we went to the beautiful city of madrid um to and and Toscana. Well, yes, yes. There were other races in other places, but this particular race was in that particular place, and it was the last World Tour race of the season. Yeah, and it's an interesting one because hardly anyone turned up, and I don't really blame them, really. Uh, it, it had a limited field. Mm. Uh, it's the Madrid Challenge by La Vuelta. It's the third time it's run. It's 90 kilometres on a crypt-like course around the centre of Madrid. Beautiful Madrid. You pass all sorts of gorgeous, you know, amazing museums the prado the Ca- i love the caixa forum it's, it's a lovely course but mm. it's a little bit interesting because it's the end of the season and a lot of people have literally shut up shop yes by the time madrid comes around and that's because world championships start you know, the weekend after and yeah exactly. it's and if you're a rider it... who's targeting worlds then you probably want um a bit of time to rest recover and focus your your training peaks to make sure you're in best possible form for worlds and if you're not going to worlds you might want to start your off season who knows yeah and it's it's a sprinty race and it's got lots of corners and those kind of sprinty races are you know pretty much renowned for crashes uh, mm-hmm. So it's kind of a little bit of a risky race, a little risky race to take. Do you want to get up up right there? And Madrid, it's very wide. They have like some yeah. hot dog corners, but they're not the kind of Australian hot dog corners with one lane going into into a sharp U-turn. So we had the Madrid Challenge, and it's 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 pretty much almost guaranteed to be a sprint race, just because while it does have like a little descent and incline on one of the arms of the one of the three arms of the course, it's a five point eight kilometer circuit so they do it like 15 times it doesn't be it's not it's basically got these long straight roads that are perfect for sprint trains and perfect for chasing back so just imagine the usual lots of attacks and actually lots of teams going a lot harder than they needed to because there were three i would say big teams racing there um ali cipollini which is a sprinters team mm-hmm. uh wiggle high five which you know had a really strong sprint team yodin dora yep. was defending last year's win team sunweb with corin rivera yep are the biggest teams now there are some big name teams because silence was there but not with kirsten field right and then you're looking at so then the next teams you know then you've got like no WM3 no Balls Dolmans uh, no Cervelo Techno Cervelo Bigler so no lots of Lepisto you know right, she's obviously yeah. a fantastic a fantastic sprinter surprising that she wasn't there 
um you know there's there's all sorts of teams who weren't there yeah yeah and in this scenario you could imagine that your wiggle and sunweb who are the by far you know strongest and and would be just happy to just like you know chill around and just wait for a bunch of sprint right yeah yeah that didn't happen no no, that didn't happen. Sunweb were completely attacky, with especially a Kirkman attacking all over the place. Um, Wiggle High Five were completely attacky, with Elisa Longo Borghini doing some lunatic attacks. But also, particularly funny, there was like a couple of attacks which had um, Georgia Bronzini in them. And I thought, oh no, there's no no big sprinters in this group. And you're like Georgia Bronzini, <laughs> but then you realise that Georgia Bronzini was doing her magic trick, wearing her invisibility cloak. And you know, Georgia Bronzini's key skill is managing to be completely unspottable in the in the in the in the pet in the bunch, right? Yep. Like, oh look, here's a breakaway group. Who, who's that? Who's that tiny little figure that's just disappeared? <laughs> that's Georgia Bronzini. Uh, classic, classic and Bronzini move. That I, I always remember Geelong Worlds, where I could have sworn she was nowhere near the final group. Like you know, they they were going over the hill in Geelong, and every time they went over it, the group got smaller and smaller. Okay, you're looking at it. Yeah, yeah, cool. We know what's going on. And suddenly at the end, out pops Georgia Bronzini. You're like, what the hell? Um, you know, you kind of. She's actually kind of proof of the old Buddhist thing. You know, you can't see the forest for the trees where you can't see the Bronzini for the sprinters. Like, <laughs> it's just like they slowly whittle away and there she is. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, and she's really good at attacking. And so that was, that was a lot of fun. Lots and lots and lots of attacks came down to a bunch of sprints in the end. Um, I had put my money on uh, Chloe Hosking actually, because we all know that mm. last week she had got the news that not only was she not being taken to world championships, which I think, you know, she'd have accepted, not been happy about, but that rather than take Chloe Hosking, Tiffany Cromwell, etc., the Australian national team were leaving empty spaces. And so you know, I had thought, famously neutral decision that left people particularly on this podcast leave feeling you know very neutral and not at all apoplectic or sweary <laughs> no swear opinions were had none um but so i because chloe hosking tends to ride at her best when she's really pissed off about something mm. i had assumed that chloe hosking would win this however chloe hosking had a terrible race because um, my a madrid friend on twitter said you know how belgium is known for its cobbles Madrid is known for its potholes. Oh, right. So inverse cobbles. Inverse cobbles. So, but also I would not have wanted to be the Ale Cipollini tyre sponsor because Ooh. the whole race was basically punctuated by Ale Cipollini riders and especially Chloe Hosking, like being right at the back of the bunch and having to chase back because she'd had another puncture. Oh, that's not good. I And from a technical point of view, I'd actually want to know a little more about that too because... It's not necessarily, I mean, I don't know, and I'm not pretending that I do know the specifics of that, but it may not even be the actual tyres that, that are the issue. It could be Mechanics, the, the, the setup pressure. and the pressure and, and stuff like that. There's a whole bunch of things. So, But either way, regardless, in the middle of a race is not the time that you want to be having not just one puncture, that's bad enough, but multiple punctures is just infuriating. Yeah, yeah. And, but there are lots of riders who we didn't see at all throughout the whole race. So we didn't see Corin Rivera. And my big question about Corin Rivera, Corin Rivera has absolutely, unquestionably had the most amazing year. Like she has mm. won so many world tour, world tour races. 
but... and World Tour races that you really wouldn't expect a, a sprinter or a Corin Rivera to, to win. Yeah, she has been having a fantastic, amazing season. Mm. However, a key part of her wins has been Ellen Van Dyke. Yes. Um, so when you so when we think about her in um, winning the Ronde van Vlaanderen, we think about Van Dyke's insane work to kind of get back to get you know to, to chase to chase back. We think about when we think about her winning Trofeo Bindo or London, we think about Van Dyke's incredible lead out because mm. literally Van Dyke is like a motorbike to lead you out, mm-hmm. and she's very. It doesn't always work the Sunweb lead out. Like sometimes it doesn't work. But what was been interesting is when Rivera has ridden without Van Dyke's lead out at the Giro, for example, mm-hmm. she's still got like three, I think, different um, different uh, podiums. Yeah, yeah. But she didn't win. Mm. And this is the... So the, so the interesting thing was going... So if... So, how, so you know, the question is, if Corin Rivera wins Madrid Challenge without Van Dyke, this means that... It's it's basically this is like a, a a round of you know round of applause. Yes, you can do it without. You know, it's not. It is fantastic. I'm not taking when I say this. I'm not taking anything away from Corin Rivera. I'm just talking about how sprinting works. Yeah, yep, yep. like in the same way as we used to talk about Mark Renshaw being completely crucial to Cavs lead to Cavs yeah, yeah, with. Yep. And that's not so. That's not a criticism of Corin Rivera. No, it's and, and just exactly. No one doubted that Kev, you know, to use that exact analogy, was the greatest sprinter. But at the same time, you know, the the extra power, and I think Kev himself said, you know, the thing is having someone like uh, uh, Renshaw or Ellen to lead you out is the difference between having to nervously pilot your way through the whole bunch you know yourself and expend all of that mental energy and focus trying to pay attention to that or just trusting that person and sitting on their wheel you know and it makes makes the sprint part of the job a lot more straightforward yeah and especially with someone like van dyke who's so tall Mm. and rivera who's a a short little thing like it's just everything about it is easier so the big question for me was can Corin, you know, can Corin Rivera win without? And I'm pretty sure she probably would like to be able to, you know, just just chalk one up. So it's not like, so you know, so it's it's her it's her genius. And and actually, in the future, remember Corin Rivera is only 25 as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's like just as in his first season, Cav was all about, you know, train hopping, jumping on mm. other people. You know, his team had to get him to the finish line basically. And by the time they got him to the finish line, they were all burnt out. And then he did train hopping. Yep. Um, Bobby McEwen style. Um. In the same, and then as he as he developed, he didn't need that that level of help just to get to the finish line. And yeah. in the same way, I'm pretty sure we'll see Rivera being able to win these things without, you know, like like this is the thing is 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 Corin Rivera in, in the future. She's only 25. This yeah. is her first full European it, season. Exactly. It is no crit. It's no criticism to say can she win without Ellen Van Dyke? No, but no, not at all. I and, want to see can she win without Ellen Van yeah, Dyke? Exactly. You know, we want to see it happen. And and you're so right, particularly the point of it being her first full Euro season. And, you know, we, we've talked forever and a day about the the huge step up it is to actually go race on European roads. And so, yes. you know, even even one full season of that under her belt, you know, the Corinne Rivera that we see hit spring next season is going to be a whole step above, maybe two steps above Corinne that we've seen this year, you know. Yes, yes. Yes, and, and and when you know Ellen Van Dyke's piloting through the bunch, mm. I'm pretty sure that Corinne Rivera has learned absolutely oh, has been sucking that in and so learning yeah. how Ellen moves and what Ellen does. Mm, because yeah. anyway, so the other rider we haven't seen all race was last year's winner's Yodin Dora. 
And this is one of those things about why why Sunweb and why Wiggle High Five were racing the way they were racing. And it was beautiful to watch, and it made it a much more interesting race. They could have just sat back and 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 waited, you know, but they didn't because it meant that the likes of Yolin Dora and Corinne Rivera could just sit back and be invisible and just not get involved in the fray, not worry about anything. You know, if you've got if you've got Elisa Longo Borghini attacking out ahead of you, well, if that break makes it, job's done, mm, right? Mm, yeah. If you've got if you've got um, Georgia Bronzini or Leah Kirkman, both of whom could win this race, and if that break gets away, job's done. It's it was it was a lot of fun to watch, and and it was a lot of fun to watch them watch them both race, and it obviously is makes it a much better spectacle. And I think there might have been an element of that too, that, you know, this is yeah. one of those opportunities where women get to prove what women's cycling is. Mm, I was mm. really happy with the commentating um, on on Eurosport because they were very, very, very clear that, yeah, not much has happened in terms of no breaks have got away. You know, no break has lasted more than like a couple of minutes. Yep. That's not about women aren't very good at riding. That's about they're racing this course as well as they can do. Yep, gotcha. Yep. And I and I really struggle with the fact that I want there to be opportunities for sprinters to win in to win in the world tour. And, mm, you mm. know, I, I I do want that genuinely. But having races for sprinters does mean that you also have a lot of races where, you know, you wait for a bunch of sprints. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it is a balance, and particularly in one-day races, I think is where it's where yeah. it's really hard to do that. You know, stage races can much do a much better job of accommodating it because every stage can be. You know, tomorrow's a completely new race; it's a completely different thing. Yeah. But um, one-day races that are sprinty, and and then you add to to that the fact that you know Madrid Challenge and um, you know previous versions of La Course in Paris, you know, uh, are not the most um challenging of of courses either necessarily and so they do rely on the way they're being raced to generate the interest in the race um yeah 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 so unsurprisingly it came down to a bunch sprint no Uh, i know i know after all that build-up um yoin dora won Karen yep. Rivera second, Roxana Fournier from FDJ third, yep. Eugenia Bujak fourth, Shayla Gutierrez fifth, Georgia Bronzini sixth, Chloe Hosking seventh. Which I do uh, want to point out based on what you'd said earlier, you know, that's her having a really bad race and I think does actually hold up your point that Chloe does really well when she's pissed off. So, you know, if she hadn't had like a trillion punctures or whatever the actual number was, you know, uh, you know seventh when you've had a trillion punctures is not bad. No, not bad at all. I mean, I was a little bit gutted for her because it would have been a good fairy tale. But then <laughs> cycling isn't about fairy tales, yeah, and it's just but... as good a fairy tale for Yolin Dora. Yeah, what... everyone says it's her last race for it's her last race for Wiggle High Five, oh! and she's gone out on a high. What? But oh god, let's talk transfers later. You know what would be a better fairy tale than Chloe having won the Madrid Challenge though? What? <laughs> if she goes and wins worlds. <laughs> well. This is the other big news because, as we said last week, Dan was very. We had we had strong opinions last week about the Australian team's decision, Simon Jones's decision not to take a full team Australian team to Worlds, and Chloe Hosking that I lost it a bit last week. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I I was a bit upset, but Chloe, as we did mention last week, um, had launched an appeal. Uh, That appeal was also joined by Rachel Nalen. 
um, and was scheduled to be heard by an independent commission on Wednesday, Australian time. So yeah, um, that was exciting. And, and what happened? Well, um, I think, to be perfectly honest, the way it read, because Cycling Australia had done a fair bit of um, not aggressive damage control, but they were clearly in damage control mode going, no, no, it's performance motivated, it's not sexist, it's got nothing to do with that, you know, and everyone else is going, mm-hmm. but you're taking Heinrich but... Hausler and he's only ridden like three races this year and is like, his one of his legs doesn't work and and <laughs> and you're taking a full men's team and, and shit, like it does look pretty fucking sexist, you know, because that's how Australians talk. Um, <laughs> and... And... So they were like, you know, but yeah, it's not though. It's it's performance, real, because um, that's how Cycling Australia talk. And <laughs> the independent commission went, "Fuck off! You can take seven, take seven, fuck ya!" Because that's how independent commissions talk in Australia. And, <laughs> that's actually probably likely. Um... And, and so, long story short, um, yeah, the the independent commission ruled that the appeal was upheld and directed Cycling Australia to fill the two remaining spots that they had available to them on the team. Now, I don't know the exact mechanics behind the decision the Cycling Australia selectors then took, but just to be clear, the process, the commission doesn't did not and could not decide who was selected. That is, That was and is still the role of the Cycling Australia selectors. That said, the Cycling Australia selectors went, fine, we'll take you two. So Chloe Hosking and Rachel Nalen um, were added to the, the team that is going to Bergen. Yes. I, I'm a bit gutted that Tiffany Cromwell did this, but Tiffany didn't Tiffany didn't um, contest it. She didn't like, appeal. She... And look, I, I personally think, yes, I mean, she definitely qualified to be in the mix for selection. Um, But Tiff herself actually put out a statement earlier today saying um, that there's, um, you know, that she was really happy with the decision and that it, you know, was a positive one and um, and that the women's, she hopes the women's program gets more um, recognition, better treatment further on. Then she said, am I disappointed to not be selected the second time around? If I'm honest with myself, no, I'm not. In my head, my season was finished after the Lotto Belgium Tour. I'd ruled out any possibility of racing worlds after being informed of the initial decision. I've already switched off, lost my focus, and I know that deep down, even if I did get the call up, I wouldn't have been able to give my absolute best performance. Which I think was a really classy thing of her to to say. So classy. She went on to thank everyone who had, you know spoken up in support of her and wished her the best and stuff but yeah it, it, I think it takes real real class to to say you know what I I could be upset about it but I'm actually not because I couldn't have done that you know to the best of my ability yeah and and I think and I think there's a point there too that like that like that she's that she's making that actually you need to be you can't like it's just not the same it's not mm. the same to go to and it's not the same when it's a british person contesting our ridiculosity it's not the same when it's a yeah. a, a, a an american um you know who have to go who have to lawyer up about going to the olympics yeah. like you're not going to feel the same about going to worlds when you've had to fight for it now it's going to be different for Chloe Hosking because Chloe Hosking is always going to go to Worlds as a domestique. Like the chances of Chloe Hosking winning in Bergen, it would have to be a, an amazingly random thing because Bergen is very hilly. But Chloe Hosking is actually, a, I mean, we don't talk about it enough, but Chloe Hosking is a super domestique. Like we, I mean, the most the most recent one was when she was um, 
racing in the Bowls Rental Ladies Tour and she's out in a break and, and her teammate Yannicka Ensing joined it and she was just a fantastic domestique and she's she's been a I mean she learned her trade she started off in HTC HTC High Road mm. who famously are able to put their egos aside and domestic you know and, and domestique and she was a, an amazing sprint well, sprint and, domestique and lead and out for Yoko Teutenberg. I was just about to say you know tell everybody who she was who she was domesticing for yeah 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 if there's someone who's going to teach you how to fucking put your ego in check and do your job and do it really really well and also it's teach Ina. you all the dirty tricks about sprinting it's Ina <laughs> like yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's and you know and and, and HTC High Road when Chloe was on it were f- absolutely famous for, for example, you aren't being a major Giro Giro contest, you know, major Giro contester. You'd see her as a major Giro Giro contestant one day, and then the next day she'd be like leading the lead out. Yep, and that's. And that's and, and women's cycling has a lot has a lot more of this by necessity than men's cycling because of the you know the smaller teams yep. you don't have the ability necessarily to be just there, there's very few teams where you can be just a pure leader, yeah. but also it's just part of the way the sport is like we look at the top riders I mean there's very few riders who don't domestique for someone else like I can you know yep. they they're just they're just well you know, and and that's the other part I think to what you're saying is you know there's 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 slightly less pure specialization, but also the other thing is um, because teams are a, a little smaller as well, teams also tend to have um, more like top tier riders who ride and support roles for specialists as yeah. well. So, so, you know, your general quality of domestique is just going to be higher as well, because that's, that's just the nature, as you say, of, of how it works in this sport. And it's part yeah. of what makes it really cool and, and exciting is seeing all that stuff um, unfold because, you know, like, like this, well, we were literally talking about it a few minutes ago. I mean, how fucking cool is it watching Ella Van Dyke of all people pilot yeah. Corinne Rivera around? I mean, it's amazing. Oh. God, yeah, or the um, or the or last year's Rabo Live with Anna van der Breggen and Cassian Uedoma basically yeah. going on a, a on a on a double double header attacks. We'll swap attacks, and the first one to get away, that's the one we're going to work for afterwards. Because you absolutely know bowls are going to be on the front, disrupting the chase and being you know being mm. absolute assholes. I mean, in, I mean that's in the nicest way, in a sporting <laughs> sense, in a personal sense. But you know, being really really brutal about how they're going to how they're going to run the how they're going to chase anyone down. Yeah. Who even vaguely thinks about going after that break, you know, yeah, yeah. and that's that's just that just that is how it is, and that's and, and that also also involves like how, for example, Anna van der Blegger, yep. when when you know when uh, Annemiek van Vleuten crashed in the Olympics, Anna van der Blegger was straight away able to exactly go take from... up that slack and, and take over that leadership role for the team, yeah. and, and you know ensure that the Dutch team got the result that they were gunning for, yeah. and that's exactly. You know, to bring it full circle, that is exactly why it was such a horrendous decision from Cycling Australia to not take a yes. full team and why it's important to have a rider like Chloe Hosking in the team now. You know, and, yeah. and this is the thing is it's, it's, you know, intrinsic in the way that women's cycling races go and particularly the big races like Worlds and Olympics, like where it's, you know, it's the spinal tap turned up to 11 effect, you know, like it's yeah. a bigger stage, it's a bigger race, the racing is harder and faster, not less. You know, the the more support you have, the more experience you have and the more legs you have in the race, the better your chances are and that's, it's, yeah. So it's it's great to see that decision corrected. 
Um, I still think, you know, it's going to be a, a challenge for the Australian team to, to come away with a podium result, but I do think that they've got riders who can, who can achieve that result if they play their cards right and, um, and have a bit of luck on the day. Yeah, I, I, the only thing is, though, is it does spell a bad time for Australian cycling coming up because yes. Simon Jones is still the director of performance, right? Yep. And he's made it very, very clear. I mean, even the way that he was describing the justification for him not winning, uh, for him not putting the full team in, as we talked about last last week, was blah, blah, blah. In men's in men's worlds, small teams do really well and win. Yeah. Exactly, like literally not even looking at the women's results to make his decision. Yeah, like, and, like, th- and, and, and that is also part of why the collective Australian response, and, and genuinely it was collective. I'm talking, this made national mainstream news here. Like it was, it was a big deal. Literally I rolled and went, you fucking what, mate? Like... Yeah. You know. Yes, because because you're a sporting nation. Like yeah. like I think the, the idea that the idea that someone could qualify for world championships, it doesn't matter whether you've never heard of the sport before. Like I'm pretty yeah. sure the Australian response would be the same if it was ten pin bowling. You know, well, well, like I mean, let me put it this way: we fucking joined yous in in like that's the Australian word for collective you is in World War One for pretty much the same reason. You guys were like, <laughs> "There's a world," and we're like, "We're on our way." And then you said war, and we went, "Fuck." We're in yeah. Turkey. We're in Turkey now, so we've got to do it. Like it's thanks for that by the way, but yeah. Uh, but it's it's yeah, it's so kind of... <laughs> Uh yeah, maybe you can't have them say you didn't want to come out and do sports. <laughs> we um, thought we thought you meant a running race. We didn't realise we were being chased by machine guns. Fuck. But one of the one of the interesting things about the excuses was Simon Jones's excuse was oh blah 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 it's all about the Olympics. Now yeah. the interesting thing is that it's apparently a flat course in Tokyo. Now obviously we say this about every Olympics and then it turns out to be a hilly monstrosity and worlds. It just is the way it is. There's no such thing as a gentle course. No. I I but if it is a flat course the Australians the best riders you've got are Chloe Hosking and Sarah Roy, right? Like that's yeah. who you'll be and that's that's the that's the other thing is it doesn't anyway anyway so you have your eye on at this point in time absolutely i mean so good news for the moment but good news for the moment but there is a huge huge question mark particularly over the road program um for the women because the other part of some of this comes from the restructuring of of australian sports funding post the rio olympics um we performed abysmally on the track and um and that is definitely having an impact on on the way funding is being viewed for Cycling Australia. And so, yeah, uh, tense is is a good word for how I feel about the future of Australia, Cycling Australia at the moment. So it's not the only bad news. I mean, it's we talk <laughs> about transfers. I, I'm a, happy about... What a great segue. It's not the only bad news. Here's more. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that has kind of... So it's transfer season and there's lots of rumours about who's going where. And it's very... I always... My favourite part of transfer season is the rider who's going to 12 teams at once. Mm. That's that's my favourite rumour. Um, Alice Barnes, literally everyone has said she's going everywhere, but she's signed to Canyon Shram. Are we sure about that, or is is that just yeah? A, no, 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 no. It's been announced. She announced it. She said it herself. I'm pretty okay. sure she knows where she's going next year. Right. Um, right. We have confidence so that, she... that Alice, unlike, for example, Donald Trump, knows what she signed. So, yep, cool. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we've got various other, various other, various other people, um, other other people who've who've going. Um, drops are replacing her with um, uh, uh, Lauren Roney's going as the DS, and Taylor Wiles is going as a writer, is leaving um, HTC and joining them as a writer, joining as a writer there. Um, there's basically i think they're taking away their british um their british thing uh lauren kitchen is going from wm3 to fdj uh right. lisa klein lisa klein who's had a fantastic season is going from savello bigler to canyon Shram. i mean it's never a surprise that they pick up uh um more 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 german writers mm. emily Eli moberg's leaving uh high-tech products and going to team vertu which is taking a couple of high-tech writers actually um they another scandy team um swapping riders around yeah Yeah. so there's a lot of there's a lot of changes there's a few high-tech retirements which um stood out to me as well um oh i know the other one i'm curious about though tell me more about this this yolene dora rumor like oh yolene dora is going everywhere i've seen it like i mean we've been talking about that for months but yolene dora is going to um she's going to orica she's going to canyon i can't remember where the third one she's going to but yolene dora is going everywhere we just don't know but we know that she's wow. leaving um wiggle high five now yep okay now yes. now Yes. What's interesting about this is Yoni Doris leaving Wiggle High Five, but obviously she was the lead rider for um for for the Madrid Challenge, right? Right. This is that time of year where you suddenly start seeing riders not be put into races, and it makes you scratch your head and wonder why is that rider who who on paper I would put as a favourite for this race not riding this race? Mm-hmm. And the reason is, in a lot of cases, in some cases team bullshit right so there are some riders so obviously the transfer we the men's cycling has a tra- has a, has a specific transfer window the women's cycling doesn't and there are some yeah. deals that are signed months and months and months ago and there are some deals that are still being signed now and some people tell their teams you know months and months ago and some people don't tell their teams till right now because of you know because there is some absolute bullshit going along and some of the bullshit is you don't take a rider to race a race that she could do well in. Mm. And that is because the way that the UCI system works is that you don't, um, you don't get like, uh, well, the, the points that a rider who's transferring earn go with that rider to their new team. So a team might say, well, why am I, you know, why should I take her to come here and win when it just means that it'll give her team more points next year? And it's and it's bullshit. And it's also a bit stupid because in some cases, a rider's going to a really big team. And actually, mm. that's actually better for you. If you're not sure you're going to get into the top 10, for example, and your rider's going to a team who's definitely going to the top 10, then it's actually makes, it, it actually is an advantage for her to win those, take those points because it means no one else can. Yeah, yeah. No one else can take them off you, and it raises the the level of everyone beyond that you know team because they were going to be in the top ten anyway. So exactly. So it just means yeah. they've gone up. They've they've they're just in the, they're just in the same place in the top ten, yeah. but they're by um four more, but but they're by like you know twenty thirty more points. Exactly. So that's and actually it can be a cunning it can be a cunning plan if you're like you know if you're like wanting to be if you know that yeah. that team is so above like if you. you're if you're at say number 20 or 21 and and that rider you know or number 12 yeah yeah or number 12 or whatever can can 
go to that team, but the team that is directly above you or one below you or whatever doesn't then get those points, then you yeah. know it can lift you. So yeah, yeah, exactly. But and that's and that's bullshit. And I think it's there is something nonsensical about it, and it's especially nonsensical because especially when you're looking at sprinting races, especially when you're looking at women's cycling, which as we said is all about domestiquing that rider isn't the only person who won those points yeah yeah true. so so you know so when we talk about you know when we talk about like for example georgia Bro- yodin dora's work yodin dora's win in the madrid challenge mm. she had an incredible lead out and she was fantastic now that's not represented in the points um yeah. of course georgia bronzini finished top 10 but who was the rider and she was the rider who was you know who's who's who yodin blasted off from but what about the riders who got them there in the first place you know, yeah. like what i mean did or, or exactly or... exactly it's not like there's 50 points total and yolene gets 20 and the other other four riders get you know eight each or whatever like, yeah yeah so one of the things i change is i change how the point system is done because i think it's i think it's unhelpful um doesn't recognize the team effort the fact that it's a team sport um i guess people would argue that it would mean that new teams can't go into the world tour straight away because you know because you don't get any points so maybe what you do is you'd have a team a team ranking or maybe you do say half the points go with the rider and a half you know are attached to the rider and half the points are attached to the team yeah, or, I mean, yeah, to me, that would also come into, like, team registration because, you know, if it is a, a brand new, brand new team, maybe it shouldn't go straight in anyway. Like, Well, yes, and, you know. and, and, and we'll come on to that soon. Yeah. The other thing I've heard, though, is, is some teams, okay, well, I'm choosing not to give you a ride because I know you're leaving. Well, that's a bit arseholic, but, you know, yep, okay, well, I know I'm not ready. Sort of understandable, I'm... and, yeah. Yeah, you know, you're an asshole, and it's it's more of a problem actually for riders who aren't the top, you know, who are domi- who aren't domestic. So, say you didn't. Some teams do this as punishment throughout the year. I don't like you, therefore I'm not going to give you any races to ride. Therefore, you can't get another team because you can't uh, yeah, say yeah, right, how that I artificially lower your value in yeah. the market. and yeah, yeah, right, gotcha. And that tends to happen. And that as punishment is a really shitty thing to do. The yeah. other shitty thing to do is to punish a rider who you've found out is leaving by doing things like withdrawing team support. Oh, right. So they still go to the race or whatever, but no one rides for them. Yeah, not just no one rides for them, but they might not get soigneur support. They might not get a massage. Oh, they might not... Yeah, or wow. in one case I heard about, and it you know not necessarily this year, but um, you might not get fed. Far out, and in a okay. Race. So, and and just to be clear, you know when we talk about the need to continue the project of of making the women's professional peloton professional, it yeah. includes this sort of shit because this you yeah. know this is literally what in the rest of the the modern world workplace protections were fought and fought for and won by union movements and and so on like to to prevent your employer from literally fucking starving you yeah or you know and it's like and it's like or you know if you if you're not getting your massage for example Mm. or you're you know or you're not getting like or your bike's not not being looked after properly or or being serviced fully or or you know set up the way that you need it to to yeah like that there are many 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 ways that you can uh employ the fuckery if you wanted to yeah 
and it's not and and so while i can understand not necessarily agree with but understand why a riot riot team might not take a rider to a race and think okay yeah i i kind of get where you're coming from i disagree with you there is absolutely no excuse for treating a, for punishing for, for treating a rider badly in a way that can damage her you know yeah. in a way that can hurt her yeah. and and it's it's better to leave her at home than it is to take her and this is why you know we've had these rumors about yoni dora for months and months we talked about them months ago when we yeah. first heard them and Yoni Dora is still being, you know, absolutely the protected, the protected rider in her squad, you know, mm, and mm. she's not the only one. There's all kinds of riders that I can point to who I've heard rumours are leaving and who are still getting like the full, you know, and whose final memories of that team are going to be, oh, what a lovely team. I really enjoyed my years with you. How yeah. happy I am. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, those kind of things are super important, um, not just for the principles of, of professionalism, although completely worthy on that basis alone, um, but also for, um, you know, the, the point of um, the value that that team returns to its sponsors, for example. Um, you know, where where writers and and fans and the the press alike are all going, you know, oh, Yolene won um, Madrid Challenge for Wiggle High Five. You know, like yeah. like rather than the team not being mentioned at all, the sponsors not being mentioned at all, and the result not being there at all. And and that's the thing. There's a legit, um, not to reduce everything to money, of course, but there is a legit. Um, business case for for treating people professionally and yeah. yeah but also i mean what kind of humanity if you're a mm. i don't quite understand a swanny who'd listen to the who'd listen to the team yeah. manager when they're ordering them not to give someone you know not to feed someone in a race for example because that's fucking dangerous but i can't imagine how that that team manager gets you know sleeps at night thinking oh yeah you know well i've shown her like even yeah. if you even if she's been a real asshole even if she promised you and you made your plans around her and then she's broken her promises and you thought that she was your friends like that's mm. There's no, there's nothing you can do is an excuse, you know, no. is is an excuse for for for, for behaving like that because, yeah. you know, I mean, it's it's total Michelle Obama time, isn't it? When they go low, we go high. That's how you should be. You are the pro- you are professional. 100%. Like that's, that's anyway the the literal only proper response to news that a rider is leaving your team is thank you for all of your hard work we wish you best in your future endeavors like yeah yeah like, and it could be it. And, and, it, and it can be or oh, we wish you everything you deserve in your future endeavors because working working <laughs> well, with you, you has been a nightmare and you really but you know but you still up, yeah <laughs> we wish you all the success you deserve that's yeah. how you'd say it in british yeah yeah but you know <laughs> It's the point is that that you can you can handle this stuff in so much better ways, not just for the riders but for the team itself. Like no team that, I guess my point is that no team that treats a rider poorly because they're moving on in their career is doing the team a good deed. You know they're not no. serving the interests of the team well at all because they're just they're just creating this innuendo and circumstance around you know well don't ride for them they treat you like shit if you you know if you move on or they they do this stuff to you they abandon you they you know and look same thing we you hear stories you know bikes being claimed back early so that you've got literal pro riders who don't have a bike and stuff like that like it's just ridiculous 
Yeah, and it's and it's all not. And the thing that really burns me about all of this is that there's nothing that the UCI can will is doing about this. There was one team that had a whole load of complaints made about it, and I've heard that nothing's come of them. You know, they've looked into it, investigated it. No, there's no there's no merit to these complaints, and that's really shocking and you know we all i mean anyway well i'll probably write about the traditions i want to ditch in cycling but this is another one of them um Mm. back to transfer rumors yes the news came out this week that movistar the men's team huge men's team spanish team are starting a women's team now originally they weren't we weren't sure when they're going to start it and they're going to start it next year right and i don't know what i think about this yeah i've got pretty pretty like deeply indrawn breath mixed feelings about it like <sighs> and they what what they want to be is they want to be a spanish development team like much as the way as orica is a um an, an australian de- an australian development team well hopefully one with more success then shall we say yes um but that's i don't know sarah roy's doing really well um <laughs> <laughs> well, and look, Anna Meek hasn't done, um, you know, badly really this year. She's done all right. That Australian star they've got. Um, yeah. Hey, look, uh, that's how it works. You know this as proven famously by very famous Australian Emma Johansson. So. <laughs> so, and this is the problem. And this is, you know, we're joking about this. But the problem that Spanish cycling has got is for years and years and years and years and years and years and years, there's not been much development of of, and that's like to put it mildly of women's cycling in spain yeah, yeah. they've got it, it's getting better it is getting better and like shayla gutierrez is a real is a real star and they've got some very very strong juniors kind of that are, that are, that are, are going to come up in the next couple of years but at the moment starting a spanish team with spanish riders only especially if you can't get shayla would be a mistake i think if you want to be a top team yeah yeah now what I've heard about Movistar is that they're going to be a team that are basically going to be taking the best riders from Biscaya Durango and the best riders for Lowentech, and then they want some, uh, you know, international riders. Now, their problem is is that a lot of right in the last couple of years, women's contracts have been changing. People used to sign contracts for like one year at a time. Yep. And now there. There's a lot more two and sometimes even three year contracts out oh, there these there days. There are some ridiculous ones. There are some that are whole around, and that's good. That's good for the women. That's good for for the, for the for the women. Yeah. But it means that it can be very difficult to get top riders, and especially when I don't think the Movistar project started particularly early on, because the top riders that we hear about moving, you know, your Cassie and your Domas, your your uh, you know th- those you know those kind of riders, and and your young riders coming up, your Alice Barnes's, they've yep. they've all been like. They've been signed. They've been signed for months. Yeah, they've been. They've it's well, all been. I think this is the other part of it for me too. Is if you are one of those young riders, I don't know that you would necessarily be inclined to go to a new team like Movistar in their first year anyway. Well, I don't. So some people think. I some people think it's good that they're starting small and taking a development year, and then next year they can mm. raise up. Yeah, I would agree with that if it wasn't Movistar. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess ultimately for me, the big part of that comes down to what the team structure is actually like. You know, like, is this more a case of 
it's the same naming sponsor and they're injecting a whack of cash, but the setup's completely independent? Or is like it Lotto actually... or Orica. Yeah, or is it actually more of a joint project like, you know, you, you see with... Sunweb. Um, Sunweb, you know, and and that sort of thing. Because, you know, in that case, there's a lot more resources and experience and stuff that might be able to be brought to bear. But if it is more of a standalone complex, then, you know, I do think a uh, 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 gentler approach to entering the Peloton probably makes sense. Well, I think if you can't get... The way to do it is either to take someone who's a legit star name i mean let's say let's say um danny stam who's the canyon shram ds or ronnie lauka like yep. you either want to get someone like that who's got a proven track record who's just you know who's 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 sitting around however that well you know ronnie lauka owns his own owns the owns the um canyon shram team so yep. you can't get him danny stam well i'm pretty sure his deal at bowls is sweet as so it's, yeah, he's, he's... so so you want to get you want to get something like that i i guess the thing for me is what i don't want to see is another lotto bet another lotto team so lotto the men's squad is one of the biggest squads in men in in men's cycling the women's squad is frankly small and yep. and it's been small for years and years and years it's not like it's suddenly small or oh there's been a problem getting the fun getting the funding this year but next year it's going to be fine we can sign some bigger name riders yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's a small squad and I don't think that that's the right way for one of the super, one of for a men's super team to enter the women's peloton because it just smacks of um you know of tokenism. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah we could do with the women's team because it'll make our brand look better. You know. Yep. And yep. I don't think it also helps develop Spanish women's cycling because, as well as, and I have real issues with Velo concepts. As an example of someone who did this, so last right. year Velo Concept signed. They were they were come. They take basically it was the old team BMS Burn, the small um, a small Scandinavian team that they took that part that 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 part of the team. Their aim is to develop Scandinavian riders, but yep. they signed um, Amber Naben, the ITT World Champion, yep. and they signed uh, Carmen Small, like mm-hmm. long term famous American rider, and they signed Linda Willemsen. So yep. they got straight away into the world tour. Yeah, right. However, Carmen Small retired halfway through the season, and I don't, I don't. I mean, she had a terrible crash in Drenta and a head injury, yeah, yeah. and so she couldn't race. But I don't know how much she was planning to race anyway. Uh, Amber Nieben hasn't raced much at all this this season, and definitely not in Europe. And Linda Willemsen famously doesn't race that much. So they basically, I feel like, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing. They gamed the system. They gamed that they gamed the system yeah, to get they, themselves an automatic world tour. Exactly. They played they played the points game that we just talked about in terms of transfers. Like, yeah. you know, and they played it within the rules and they played it effectively. Now. Um, in terms of getting an entry, whether or not that's a net benefit to either the team or the sport is is you know a pretty open question. But you know, and and I do take your point. I think when it comes to to Moby Star, definitely don't want it to be a tokenism thing or anything like that. But but I guess what I'm saying is that I, I would equally be unimpressed with a team that just comes in and throws a huge bunch of money around and and signs a whole bunch of shit hot riders and and just starts dominating because they're spending more you know 
Oh, but no, but, but but we know that in women's cycling, that's not how it works. Like we we've seen teams that have like bags of money and bags of riders and never actually and can't turn it into a squad. I'd be happier for Movistar to come in as a new as a new team to take a year to look at women's cycling properly and to really plan a project in a kind of you know in a really targeted, structured way and work out how they're going to both balance having some really shit hot riders because i think the young the young spanish riders need to also learn from shit hot riders too you know mm, mm. you can't like like it's not just taking a team of spanish riders for example and taking them to some big races isn't enough like you've got to be able to help them develop and grow now in my ideal structure what this would mean is also like putting money into the grassroots of the sport um you know to racing to help you know the juniors and to develop to help riders develop at home you know the domestic level as well as providing a pathway so the way that for example the high five dream dream team work yep yep is 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 a you know is 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 an example of that and you know they they don't they have connections with big teams and they help place their riders um you know help place the riders into big into into yeah. getting stagiaire roles and stuff like that so there is room for development but i don't think that i think that for movistar to be a movistar women's team i would want them to be on the same level as the men i just would and and i'd yeah, want the development I understand and that. And, that and, and i think it's more important for me that they're not all spanish in the first in the first couple of years but that they're developing spanish riders yeah yeah oh, look I, I take your point and i do think there is real um cachet to the fact that it is a named you know um like it, it's a famous cycling brand movistar you know like it, yeah. it's known um and in terms of of you know growing awareness for the sport in general and stuff like that and and crossover i i get your point i do and Look, I, I guess for me, it boils down to right now, I just want to know more about exactly... I want to move past rumours and understand exactly how they're going to pull this together and what it's going to look like and how it's going to well, work, you know? I mean, I, I yeah, it does, it does seem to me like it's not like the longest... It doesn't... I mean, this is one of the things that makes me pause, is that it mm. doesn't seem like it's had a lot of planning. You know, the stuff that they're announcing <laughs> no, now yeah. doesn't it, it, feel like they've had... Yeah, and so well, now let me, say, let me Let me put it to you this way... It, it, do you think that the the Movistar women's team has had more or less consideration than the Australian tactics for the women's world's road race? Oh Jesus! Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> but you know, equally, yeah. this is like saying: Do we think point. that Do we think that Movistar has thought about it more than Team Sky has thought about it? You know, like yeah, it's yeah. it's like like well, no, raise well... the bar, like <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. um... What else? So we had more racing last week. There was yeah, the Tour no, de la was... Yep. Won by Lucy Kennedy, an Australian rider. Yep. Um, riding for the Australian national team. Now, you know which team that she was riding for before? High Five Dream Team. Yep. Yep. So, you know, and exactly as you say, proof that these... And, and literally the High Five Dream Team exists because... Um, and I've got to give her credit. Rochelle Gilmore um, saw this gap and, and said there's got to be room between moving between you know, like the National Road Series here in Australia and the professional peloton, whether that's through Orica or Wiggle or or other connections into the peloton, there's just got to be a better transition. And, um, you know, that's... Lucy's proof it works. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, you know, Tudeladesh, uh, it's a it's a hard race as well. Like this isn't some it's seven stages. Um, Katia mm. Palowska won the first two stages. Um, Lauren Stevens won the nine k ITT. Sylvia Balsecki won stage four. Um, Jess Pratt, another Australian, won the hilly stage um, five. Lucy Kennedy won stage six, and Paulina Rukiers won stage seven. Uh, also this week there was the Giro Toscana, which you know we have feelings about. Uh, three stages. Lisa Klein won the prologue. Yannicka Ensing won stage one. Ashley Milman Passio won stage two, and the whole thing. Now there was also mountain biking, and I just and it's in Australia. Um, yes. In yeah. the in the um, in the in the cross country, there was the kind of return to uh, to, to to the top of Yolanda Neff, who dominated the under twenty three category, had a really bad year last year where she you know was a favourite for the Olympics. Finally, won her first elite champion. She's really wanted this. It's been three years since her last win when she won as an under twenty three. And the second place was Annie Lust from Britain, which is an amazing ride. She's been having a great year. And third place, Paulina from Prevost. Wow. Well, there you go. Back in multiple disciplines. Now, then we had downhill. Mm-hmm. Downhill is super dramatic. Yeah, we're in Cairns in the, yep. in the, in the rainforest. Far north Queensland. You're far north Queensland. And it like was basically the most racist part of Australia, just so that you've got it fixed in your mind. <laughs> also, uh, rainforest, yeah. stinging yeah, the, trees, the snakes, part. spiders. Mm, mm, yeah, like like the the wildlife are actually nicer than the locals. Yes. 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 Exactly. Mm. Um, very very dramatic. Um, absolute favourite, no doubt, superstar Rachel Rachel Atherton crashed and broke her collarbone. Oh, that sucks. It's just and... the it's the worst way, you know, like like crash and broken bones. It's the worst way to not win. Yeah. Um young Aussie rider Danielle Beecroft had been sat in the hot seat before the big names came in. And Miranda Miller, who's a Canadian first year pro, set the first time. Um she's she's got Enduro, she had a really good race. And lots of start you know, like people kind of came down down after her and she's still in the top, she's still in the top. Then we come to the big names. Tani yep. Seagrave was the uh, had had been um, had been the fastest in one of the uh, opening rounds. She cra- She was five seconds faster than Miranda Miller at the first split, but crashed, and I was out of out of out of it. Gutted for Tani Seagrave. Then we come to the woman that I think was the favourite, Tracy Hanna. I mean, after Rachel Atherton, Tracy yep. Hanna is Australian. This is she's a local. Mm-hmm. She was absolutely insane. Her lines were crazy. She pushed us a little bit too hard. She crashed, and she ended up in um, in uh, uh, you know she ended up in provisional second place. Mm. Last rider down, French woman Miriam Nicole, not having a good time, finished second by less than a tenth of a second ahead of Tracy Hanna Jeez. with Miranda Miller absolutely total I think it's fair to say and this is no disrespect to Amanda Miller complete surprise winner Miranda Miller Miranda Miller complete surprise winner wow wow 
and that's i mean that's downhill for you like it yeah, can just be yeah. like that like it can be like that you can crash it was oh, so yes yeah, wow. so that's uh, miranda miller first miriam yeah. mccall second tracy hannah third i would never have predicted that uh, you know if you'd have no. asked me like 10 different to, to give 10 different um options for the podium i would have i'd have put miller on my podium you know in some of my options on my podium maybe not in my first choice of podiums yeah but yeah. But I would never have thought she'd won. She's she's had some bad luck. This is her first year as a pro. She's been like riding as a um uh privateer, you know, yep. someone without someone who's basically not got the kind of sponsorship yeah, and the no team. Sponsorship, yeah, yeah. This was her first year as a pro and holy shit, this is this is what downhill and BMX are like this. Yeah. It is no it is no criticism of her to be to be like no, holy no. shit i never expected that you ride you know it's how you do on the day well and it, and it's also you know it has the potential to genuinely be a life-changing thing for her like it's you know it's thrilling and and as you say downhill i mean we all know this in one day races for road as well or or whatever like it is all down to the day and sometimes you overcook a corner sometimes the weather's bad and you you miss a line you know shit happens but wow what an amazing that's awesome yeah completely i mean i would have loved for i mean if, if we're talking fairy tales i would have loved sure. for tracy hannah to finally win the world championships on home soil in cairns but i guess she just wanted it too much you know like and it just and it just and she just pushed it a little bit too hard like it happens it does happen and you know it sucks for trace it does but like at the same time you can't begrudge you no, know, and 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 so yeah. bike racing does bike racing does not work by being the person who deserves it or who yeah. who, would, who would who would appreciate it more or whose granny is sitting there is yeah. best. Now, yeah. much like much like real life, real life cycling disproportionately benefits average white men. So, <laughs> too real, too now, soon. Sorry, too soon. Now tomorrow, world championships start. Oh my god. What like tomorrow? Tomorrow? Tomorrow, tomorrow. World oh Championship God, starts. That's so soon. That is so soon. Tomorrow, World Championship starts. Um, the individual. Um, the, there's there's training and there's racing and it's and it and it and it hits it in Bergen. We are actually at Bergen, you guys. Oh my God! I for some reason. I, it just mentally was in my head as still next week. Um, you know, like like I, well, it I was. What is next week? I, I know it. I know it. Saturday. I know it is. I know, but like it's also like wow. I wasn't ready for it to be this this here. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I was ready for it to be here, just not this here. It's the here. Bergen, the Bergen, uh, the world. They've they've got like this really interesting stuff. Like on the Sunday, they start with a World Championships church service. The Norwegians are famous for it, I guess. They have okay. This is what you have on the Sunday. They have a guided bike tour of the Art Trail. They have right. woodwind, a concert for strange girl, strange birds, strange girls. <laughs> they've got they've got they've got an improv theater. Yeah, yeah. They've got everything, but yeah. So the women's team time trial oh, is on Bergen. Sunday. Um, that's awesome. that's even Sunday in Australia. It starts at like nine p.m. in your time. Yep. Um, Monday is the junior women's it is the is the junior women's itt. Um, Tuesday is the um, they've got women's. a cycling. Sorry, I keep getting distracted by the cycling symphony. Tuesday <laughs> is the women's it is the women's itt. Um, Wednesday is um, uh, the men's I, men's itt. So no women's racing on Wednesday. Uh, f- 
oh, Friday doesn't have anything on it. And I think that must be a website mistake. Nothing on Thursday um, because they they do that. Nothing on Friday. I think that Friday is the junior women's road race. Um, Saturday is the elite women's road race. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. And we can watch the road world championships there's lots of there's lots of kind of there's lots of t there's lots of tv i'll put up a site a thing on our site pro com about how to watch it but the website is great the social media is great it's going to be um it's going to be it's going to be a fantastic world it's going to be an excellent festival like it really is bergen's a wonderful city i mean it's fucking gorgeous because norway um and i I lived in bergen for about 13 maybe 14 hours yeah so so got, to, got to know it got to know it really well yeah um and yeah uh, there's now a great little uh restaurant to to get some good smoked fish pie if you'd like just hit me up on twitter at dan w official or ask sarah because i've told her about it a number of times at pw cycling <laughs> 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 no, it's going to be awesome. It really is. I'm very excited to see how this plays out. Not least because, you know, there's a, there's a real possibility of brutal, brutal revenge against Cycling Australia's fuckery. So, um, Are you would... basically hoping that, that Australia wins? I Well, I mean, apart from the fact that that is basically what I'm always hoping, I'm specifically hoping that Chloe Hosking wins um, in some kind of unpredicted bunch sprint. Just to, you know, like, and, and basically crosses the line with the double middle fingers up um, while mouthing, fuck you, Simon Jones, in slow motion um, so that the cameras can see it in, you know, like, all its glory. I, I am realistic enough to admit that it's unlikely that will happen. But, you know, a boy's got to have a dream. So Yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um, what are you hoping for? I mean that uh, now, obviously, but you know. Well, I'll tell you what I'm hoping for next week when we talk about what happens in the ITTs and what I'm hoping for in the road races. Okay, that seems fair. Um, thank you very much for sticking with us, and yes, we'll be back next week to talk all things that did happen in the ITT, and maybe maybe dodge the question of uh, being asked to predict what will happen in the women's road race. <laughs> Someone will win. <laughs> probably cycling fans will win <laughs> football wins on the day we're pretty sure <laughs> thanks <laughs>